Greetings, fellow Dungeon Masters. Welcome back to the Knights and Nerds podcast. This is Tim, the Dungeon Master, and I want to say thank you very much for listening to this. Today, in this behind-the-screen campaign planning episode, I'm joined by two friends of mine, Matt Orton and Sarah Bolstridge, and they're helping me talk about the final stages of this campaign. We talk about siege battles, meaningful deaths, character arcs, things like that. Now, there are some things that are bleeped out in this episode, because if you listened to last week's episode, you know that there is a pretty awesome giveaway happening right now, and all you have to do to enter the giveaway is guess the ending of the podcast, and I didn't want to give away the one final twist that has yet to be revealed, even to you, my fellow Dungeon Masters. So if anyone were to guess this twist, I would be very impressed. Before the episode comes out, obviously, in which it is revealed, which won't be for a couple months. But anyways, just to recap about that giveaway, all you need to do is follow Knights and Nerds Podcast on social media. Also follow Nerdy Chicken on social media. They are at ChickenlyNerd on Instagram and Twitter. They are a shop of curiosities. Mainly, they have awesome RPG stuff that you should check out. NerdyChicken.ca. So follow us, follow Nerdy Chicken, tag three of your friends on the giveaway post that it's on any of our social media pages, and then send your guess as to how the podcast will end by direct message to any of those social media platforms or by email to nightsandnerdspodcast at gmail.com. You have until June 9th to submit your guesses, and if you are the most accurate guess as to how the podcast will end, you will win a set of Bloodstone dice. These are gorgeous dice, polished Bloodstone. No two sets are alike. We got them from nerdychicken.ca, and they have an amazing selection of uh, affordable RPG accessories as well as some nicer higher-end stuff. Uh, These dice are definitely on the higher end of any of the dice that I've previously purchased. Also, we're giving away just one random set of ethereal vampire dice to just one random person who makes any guess, regardless of whether it's hilariously wrong or even remotely accurate. And so that ethereal vampire set has, I think, three or four D6s and two D20s. Uh, It's really nice. It's like translucent with some red misty vapor inside the dice. They're really cool. And while this giveaway is happening, you can go to nerdychicken.ca and use the promo code NERDYNIGHTS, and that's knights with a K, at checkout to get a 15% discount. Anyways, enough out of me. Now let's get on to the conversation I had with Matt and Sarah. I hope you enjoy. Okay, so this will be per perhaps one of the last, maybe even the final campaign planning episode. And I'm very pleased to have Sarah Bolstridge and Matt Orton. Can I use your full names? Yes, of course. Okay. Sarah Bolstridge and Matt Orton, who live at the following address. (laughs) Social social security numbers, blank. Yeah. Um, As long as they don't get my character name, (laughs) they'll never truly have me. Sarah and Matt are Kickstarter backers, and they're also, fingers crossed, going to be in (laughs) what we are hoping will be 
phase two of the Knights and Nerds uh, podcast. Yeah. Very excited for that eventuality. This, Very excited. Uh, I think I've been telling you guys for many months that, oh, yeah, we're almost done. <laughs> Don't get mad at me. Get mad at I'm these not- other guys who are just dragging it out. I know. They're the well, worst. You know what? You can help, you can help oh. me today. Our task can be, how do we bring this to a rapid conclusion? <laughs> dude, dude, I've got you covered. Okay. You want me to find a TPK? I'll find you a TPK. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's, ex- let's explore our options. So there's a couple of things that, that uh, we'll talk about. And the, uh, first, like just to go through a real quick list, and, and this is not something that we have to stick to rigidly. But we have a glut of of potential enemies. Uh, I really anticipated that the that the party would be sort of taking down these enemies like as they cropped up. <laughs> uh, yes, from listening along and and uh, chatting with you about it, I could definitely see the moments where you're like, you don't just maybe want to fight them a little bit. You don't want to maybe kill that guy. No. Oh, okay. Cool. 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 <laughs> it's it's even better. Just create your own sinister six. Really? Yeah, so it's um they've essentially been sweeping sweeping enemies under the rug and now the rug is about to explode. Mm-hmm. So like in my mind is like the, the mind flayers would be the final baddies, but now I don't know if that's going to happen because I don't know like there's there's this web of competing uh motivations that the villains have. Uh, I really expected them to figure out what's going on with earlier and I'm I'm going to Speak in vagaries. You can you can say what you will about him uh, that I told you in the email. I'll just bleep it out because no one else knows about it. I know. I was like so scandalous. I, I know. It's it, I really expected, and and somebody will probably guess. And I really expected the players to have one of them to have guessed by now. And really? one of them is actually fully equipped with the rules, like the abilities that they have. To have already figured it out like oh 25 God. episodes ago. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, I was like it? listening along. I was like, I feel like you could have oh. figured some of this out. I will also try and be vague, but I'm, I'm the worst. At well, I'll bleep this part out. I'll bleep this part out. If <laughs> no, it's, it's great. Just let me know when and I'll be like redacted. <laughs> <laughs> you can just loop that. Just loop that overlay. Yeah, there was there was a part in episode, uh, well, like episode twenty, uh, her second choice of, and then there were like the airship sightings, and I thought that she was going to use her. <laughs> here, and it would have been like, yes, there is. Oh my god, yes, yeah. Oh yeah. my god, yeah, that would have been the perfect moment, and that the- would have royally confused them too. Yeah, and then and then they had they would have had shit themselves. The, yeah, they would have had to deal with that probably, like they would have dealt with it already. I think, right? Well, or they time. at least I think would have been more aware of what was going on. Like, it's tough to say because it's like I can see why. I see the trepidation because I I can see that with certain groups of like how I've seen things play out where they're like they're not sure if any moment is going to be the moment that they are fully equipped for. And I find that that's something as players in general is hard to determine when that moment is, uh, this is a fight I should fight. And this is a moment where the DM actually wants me to run away. 
So I can see, I, I see that in some of like the way that they've played out certain scenarios where you're like, okay, I think that this is where a moment I need to talk my way through instead of fighting. And I can, I, I see why they might feel not as equipped as they, th- as they actually are. Right. Like, cause yeah, like one quick check, they could have had that on lock. Yeah, absolutely. And so now we have the situation where we have the, the mind flayers who are like, so everybody knows about the mind flayers now. Like everybody in, in world knows about them. Like they've told Arizax, they've told Martin, the head of the thieves guild. They've basically told everyone like, you know, Hey, be aware of, of this hidden invisible force that's been behind all of the craziness going on in the city here. So we have the mind flayers who now want to complete their device somehow. They've stolen dragon bones. So they've got that. Uh, They need to get some items back that the players have, or that Gilly has on his, on him. So stealthily. Yes. Yeah. And, and then we have, the Githyanki who want to kill the Mind Flayers, but the Githyanki will also be, I th- I'm pretty confident in saying that they will be siding with Arizax after the discussion that they had with him. I feel like they're just, they're too untrusting of the party right now. Like, I feel like that is their, the only logical choice for them to side with. A lot has gone wrong. Um, <laughs> the While the party proves themselves to be capable like there was still a lot that like from my perspective role playing to get the yankee that they're too that they are too unpredictable that there was this thieving that happened the crystal that gilly looked at i don't know if i made this explicit in my in my message so he got <laughs> he got hit with so the crystal has like the ability to to do a sort of a long distance casting of geese Mm -hmm. oh god (laughs) and so he picked he was looking at the crystal and it hit him with geese and his command was to kill elwyn and so he he spent the better part of a day trying to murder elwyn with the party having to essentially tie him up which i thought was a neat neat loophole that they sent like he he wasn't resisting the command but he was tied up and so couldn't do it and so he wasn't taking psychic damage until he got loose and then he yeah so he took a bunch of psychic damage on a a few consecutive days (laughs) And so the Githyanki are like, what the hell is up with this? And then yeah. they they catch the party talking to Arizax, who, from their point of view, like the party has already told them, this is our enemy. And then they're mm-hmm. having these sort of secretive discussions. Yeah, and so there's just a whole bunch of weirdness. And then with the crash landing in in Boldbrook, and because it, it was the players it was the party's idea to go there and then they get ambushed by the dwarves so the githyanki are going to put the blame on the party for the deaths of some of the githyanki on that ship and so they're going to be like you know what we're done with this i guess what i'm trying to really figure out here is who who's going to end up where at what time Mm -hmm. um how how are the mind flayers going to try to retake the gems and how the Dragonborn and Githyanki try to deal with the Mind Flayers. Because this is all, like, this all has the potential to to come crashing down. Like, I, I'm, this is a real test of juggling for me of, like, all these different <laughs> competing interests. 
you have woven yourself an intricate tapestry of of, of plot twists. Mm. Um, it's it's tough to say. I think I uh, I don't. So <laughs> there's so many options. Here's here's what I've got in my mind. You've got the opportunity for the rare three-sided battle. Mm. Where and this is leaping leaping past how we get there. <laughs> this was <laughs> the, the first tiny thing detail. I, tiny yeah, detail. It's very tiny detail. But it it was the most important thing in my head was you wanted to figure out how to bring it to an apex and that three-sided battle is going to be super cool if you have it hinging on a siege. So you can take your you can take the Githyanki, their newfound friend, uh, and then on one side of that you've got them, and they're trying to bring in the Elder Brain so that they can destroy it. And then you've got in the exact same siege. You have a struggle between them and the Mind Flayers for control of how that teleportation happens. And in the middle of that, you have our idiots. (laughs) And you let them influence which way they want to go by being like, okay, we're going to make sure that the Mind Flayers don't have control of this at the end. So we're going to side with the Githyanki for now. And we can push the influence to the Githyanki and have them be the true final boss, but while still having that threat of the Mind Flayers in that tug of war. And that way, as you're trying to fight that final battle against the Githyanki, let's say, in this example, there's the odd Mind Flayer that could sit there and be like, I'm going to come into this as I'm fleeing, or maybe inadvertently comes into this as I'm fleeing, like, I'm just picturing a Mind Flayer running in behind Spruce Lee as he's roundhouse kicking, uh, like, a Githyanki, and he just turns as he's in mid-flip, and he just gets caught by a Mind Flayer face in the mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's just absolute anarchy, but it had... Add so many layers to the mechanical ideas of the D&D fight. Um, you take that and you can easily decide... Well, you'd have to... It's not easily, I guess. You would have to decide ahead of time how you want each one to go if they push in either direction. So if they want to be like, okay, we cannot handle the Githyanki and their airships... We don't have a response for flight. So we're going to help the Mind Flayers out and make sure the Elder Brain actually comes in with backup. Then when that happens, you've got to have a way that you want that final fight to play out. Or you also have to prep ahead of time, sadly, (laughs) the reverse side of the coin. It's just kind of an option that you've got. And you can build into those sieges the like turn counter of, okay, at this turn, they're through the main gate. Whether or not the fight is still going on. At this turn, or time counter or whatever, this NPC dies. Like, they can't keep up. They This NPC dies. Or this 
quarter of the city is just gone. Building those time counters is a great way to create urgency. A good old ticking clock. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I love that idea. I'm, I'm wondering, like, who would you see making the first move? Like, if if the items that the party is in possession of are the key, like the linchpin to this whole thing, mm-hmm. who's going to make the first move? Is it going to be Arizax and the Githyanki coming in being like, we're going to get the drop on the party, we're going to summon in the Elder Brain and, and just dogpile it until it's dead? And then, and then, like the mind flayers, sort of insinuating themselves into that, so that they are ambushing both sides. Or is it the mind flayers who are going in first, and then the Githyanki and Arizax who are late to the party? Well, so I, here's the thing: I don't understand fully this teleportation mechanism. Mm-hmm. Is it geographically restrained? Like, is it in a city, or can they build it anywhere? Oh, uh, they just need to to like throw it together. So it's it's pretty mobile. It's like something. It's something okay. that one one creature could carry around like two handed. Oh, okay. Hmm. I'm open to changing that if. <laughs> well, it, it gives a reason for the siege, right? If mm. it has to be geographically restricted teleportation, someone has to control that point. So you decide who you want to control that point, and then that's the person who has to make the move. So I think they're they're holding on to these items and not like destroying them or try to destroy them outright. Because they, if they do that, then the mind flare plan they're kind of back to square one. But they're mm-hmm. holding on to them and keeping them at hand so that they can like draw the mind flares out and kill them. As long as the components aren't all put together then the fight can really move move anywhere but i think they want to yeah. be somewhere where they're f- like in familiar terrain which is i think why they're going to go to tall hill because it's a you know a village on a defensible hill and they think that they'll yeah. be able to like it's not a hugely populated area and they think they'll be able to like see the enemy coming and better defend that way and they're probably going to rely on um like the dwarves and the remnants of the warriors alliance for additional backup yeah i think toll hill makes sense for the location for them for this for the this final fight i do air quotes like you can see it um (laughs) um, visual cues and audio medium right um no like i think that that it totally makes sense for for where that goes i think in my head like i kind of i agree with matt i think this is a an interesting opportunity for like a three-way three-way battle i should have finished that sentence faster anyway, um, <laughs> but um and i think you you've been kind of hinting at some of this with our discussions is i do think that the the mind flares play an interesting role in this where they can they have the opportunity to be a a background manipulator because of their abilities they and and the kind of aspects they can have the possibility to control you have that unique opportunity to in essence at any point say a character that um would have been just a background was actually like a spy this entire time or was a controlling factor so i think you have the opportunities to kind of flip the switch and almost like detract like if you wanted to detract the mind flares from the final battle make it about the githyanki and maybe the the 
the other reveal and then just have the mind flares come in after the fact. Like you do still have that opportunity as like, and then the mind flares can play both sides at the same time. And then they can just kind of decide as the battle is going, when their opportunity to arrive and actually show, like lay down their cards is, are, is anyway, science is no one understands. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, You've got that mind flare intelligence on your side, right? Exactly. I was just thinking that. Like, oh, I, I really want to play them like they are the most intelligent thing, as though they're uh, because that that's like the scariest thing about them in my mind. A hundred percent. Like, I think the 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 terrifying aspect of mind flares and all of that is is that intelligence and that they have that kind of ability to kind of without really doing it know what's going to happen or at least foresee all of the options right so while it's not being able to see the future it's it's as close as you can get for them where it's like they can see they can analyze all the options so i think that it is a valid moment for you at any point to just drop mind flares and as like this is like for them to come in be like this is where they saw the most advantageous part to come into this battle as do you have one of the arcane mind flares or are you just using the psionic? So, I've got a few different options. I've got the, I've got the regular mind flayers from the monster manual, and I've swapped out their ability to do plane shift mm-hmm. with dimension door because the the whole interplanar um, restrictions in my world plane shift didn't make yeah. a whole lot of sense to me. So I was like, Yeah, I can understand that. And that's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> And which part? The dimension door. Because let's face it, medium range combat teleportation is so good. Um, it's one of those things like with that mind flare intelligence, you can use the ticking clock idea again. But instead of it having to be like a, a round counter or something, let's say Gilly drops. Zero HP, he's down. He's your first choice to go down? He's the one holding the materials for the machine. I mean, that makes sense. He drops? In my head, you were like, he's the weak point. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Gilly's fine. We both know it's Faye. Um, (laughs) So, Gilly drops as as a, like, prepared action, I guess. Dimension door. And that allows for the Mind Flayers to become a part of the battle immediately, but also get what they want. And then they can either try to get out, which allows you to once again separate your villains. Mm -hmm. And then that leaves them immediately being like, you were planning with this with Mind Flayers. That's the backup plan. And then they have to fight the Githyanki. And then you could finally kill a villain. <laughs> yeah. <in> the party. <laughs> finally, yeah. I think that's the thing. I think, to be honest, like this is 100% a, a DM, outside of how you want this campaign to go, I think it's going to be a nightmare if you let them all play at the same time, all these villains in the same battle. Mm-hmm. She said on Friday the 13th. <laughs> I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to listen to this. I think it'll be hilarious. I just feel like you might have an aneurysm. I think that 
I think it would be a cool tiered tiered effect for the battle. And I do think that the mind flayers, because of how they can have that ability to like observe and act, I think that that is a cool role for them to do. Like as Matt said, like at a trigger point, like yeah, like Gilly goes down, he's got the object still. They pop in, like something like that, as a interesting kind of like moment to it. But I do, I do think the Githyanki. Um, I do think they're going to be the ones that they end up fighting first. Oh, very nice! This is the greatest rift they built. I think so. I think, it, I th- and given the Githyanki's traits, I think that they're the easiest to be like. I don't need you anymore. Like you're done to me, and then go that way. I think they're gonna. I think the. I think the tension's just gonna build to the breaking point, and it' gonna be like that's it. We're done, and the fi- the fight's gonna start there. Well, with Azrak like doing like his manipulation as well. Mm-hmm. And I, the, where we left off, and where we're gonna pick up again the next time we record, they've just come into a room with a mind flayer in the flesh. Yes, and with them they have a Githyanki warrior who's trying to become a knight. And if this Githyanki warrior gets killed, that's another thing that the exactly. that they can blame on the party. A hundred percent. I think moments like those are what are perfect examples where it's like you can facilitate that to happen as the DM. I think that that like that especially like they're on the brink like everything that they has gone on. I feel like the Gith Yankee are looking like they're just waiting for like one more little thing to happen, and I feel like that is definitely a moment where it's like you lost this guy that's gonna be that was gonna be a one of our nights. We're done. Like this is this is it. Everything. That Erzak said is like it's true. Like you are. This is we're done. I feel like I would have almost had a harder time justifying their their change in allegiance if Gilly hadn't so terribly botched his his thieving attempt. Yes, I will say. Like, yeah, they had made a bit of an alliance there, as much as you can. But I think there was. But yeah, like considering all of the the botched attempts, the fact that they lost people in the airship crash. Uh, that they were sieged at the place that um, the party took them to. Like, all of these things combine. I think they're already on the verge. Um, if not, there might already be some, like, um, dissent in the ranks. Like, it might just be the majority of them don't agree with being allied with the party already, but it's, they're waiting for that last call, right? So you, that kind of already dissension in the ranks might already be present, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've sort of mapped out how this encounter is going to go, and we're I know like we've got the initiative order already locked in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's Gilly and two of his animal companions from his fuzzy objects. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they're they're up first, and then it's the mind flayer. Second, the objects are up first. <laughs> I think it's a jackal and a, a baboon. And so the mind flare is going to be going second, and I'm conflicted as to opening with the mind blast because everyone's kind of standing in the doorway. Yes. Or to do dominate monster, and get one of the party to turn on the others. I mean, that's always a fun time. How powerful's the warrior? The Githyanki warrior. Yeah. Oh well, he's what are they like a CR three? Okay, I mean they—he hits pretty hard. He's got—he's got the psychic damage along with the uh, the greatsword damage. So yeah, nothing, but to, nothing to sneeze at. 
No. Um, but it's more of one of those things where if he was slightly more powerful, like taking over a Githyanki warrior and you with a mind flare and using it to carve up people, it's just satisfying sounding. Um, but it also at the same time, you can use that as leverage for the other Githyanki, right? They all have that bond. And if they feel one of them disappear, mm-hmm. but not because he died, you're dealing with them being like, they gave him over. And now this person, like this part of our quote unquote collective, not, not Borg like collective, but like this, this shared consciousness kind of vibe. We know it's in the hands of our sworn enemy. They would lose their shit. Yeah, actually, yeah, I'm thinking about that now. That is kind of appealing mm-hmm. to me in a lot of ways. It's like that would be like the worst fate for Githyanki. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think like even while while it might not make like the most powerful stance to to dominate him, but like to just have that moment of like, nope, that was that was the the end of it. Like that would be it. I would think. For the for any alliance, I think. Well, and you can carve up a like a bard and um, a rogue pretty good with that. Yeah, he's got the multi attack with the yeah. psychic damage on on each swing. Yeah, like I feel like it would it would still put a pretty good hurt on for sure. Plus, there are also other thralls in the area, so the mind mm-hmm. like they they won't oh, be able yeah. to go right for the mind flare. Uh, well, I, I guess I guess the ranged attacks conceivably could, but it'll take yeah, at least a couple rounds. Down. Yeah, I was gonna say it was take, they won't go down right away. You'd get some rounds in where it would still work. Very important question: Did Faye take counterspell? I can't remember. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then don't worry about it. <laughs> Can you counterspell like a dominate monster from a mind flare? Well, I, it's oh, it's, it's more ability. of a psionic ability. Yeah. Get roasted. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's. I think that would be the play. I think that's how you set Githyanki against the group, and I think that's how you facilitate the final battle with the mind flares popping in. Like, I think this is the perfect opportunity for the mind flares to set up um, themselves, right? I think that that's how it's going to come across, and I think that's exactly what would be in their nature to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially from the perspective of like one ant dies for the colony kind of vibe mm-hmm. like single mind flare puts all their effort into dominating a githyanki to snap the final bond and then you've got this domino effect where there's like five other mind flares just there go yes brother good good yeah like even maybe even just like almost in essence it coming out that way like the the mind flare as soon as the domination happens the mind flare just almost like laughs. Like you can have that be in moment and whether they pick up on it or not, it would be the hindsight. That would be like the best thing. It's like he achieved what was the goal, right? Like he achieved the the setup for the battle. Oh, that'd be super cool. Especially if you don't let them ever, ever lit in this lit in Jesus. <laughs> um, Cause if they, if they only think you planned it that way from the beginning, you are going to look like a genius I like to. I like to certainly look that way. 
I, mean, I think they know me too well, well though. I can tell by your love of car- uh, cardigans. <laughs> that's great. No, I think that's I think that's how you got to do it. I think yeah. I think going into this battle that is the perfect opportunity to set that up. Now, then no matter where they go, that can be the conflict. Like I think I think you're right. I think they'll go back to Tall Hill. I think that that will be where they would choose, but yeah. I don't know. I just I think that that's the way. I feel like that's the the mind flare nature. How would you deploy like this this mind flare half dragon hybrid tank? Oh my god! Yeah, because <laughs> I'm okay. I'm super excited because you know what? Like the reveal of this, and I've been I've been ho- like refining these stats for some time, and it's just like just the visual is just going to be horrifying. I'm I can't even describe to you how excited I am for this. So here's where I get boring. Um, damn it. I'm going to need to hear some abilities and stats to be able to truly understand how to hurt them. <laughs> I wonder if I can, can I add an image to our Skype chat? Uh, I think Ooh, you can. You can send it as an attachment in the chat feature. Okay. Oh, there's so much tiny writing. Zoom in. All right. I'm, tr- I'm trying. High anti-strength, terrifying. I don't know how many uses of Dimension Door to give him per day. Uh, three is just enough if you want him to be mean. Because they'll gather around him and then you teleport to the back line. And you shiv. <laughs> <laughs> and then shiv, shiv. they gather around him again. Because they've only really got like what's what's Gilly using right now as his main weapon? Uh, he has a pretty banal short sword. He's got a poison dagger that he also uses. So he's up close. Yeah. Oh, he has a so, he he actually he does have a pretty good crossbow. So he's got some options. Okay. Because like as it currently stands, you've got Fay and. Um, oh my god, why am I blanking on, uh, Vanna White? Yep. <laughs> um, you've got them as range, right? Or is Vanna White using swords? No, her, well, she can, but she, like, she does a, an insane amount of damage with her bow, so that's what she yeah. primarily yeah. uses. I, f- I figured it's she was f- still favoring that. Um, so you've got, ooh, that's even more interesting, because you've got no real front line <laughs> what with the party yeah there's they're super poorly yeah. optimized <laughs> the 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 min maxer in me is just shuddering right now <laughs> so i want you to use this character to grab the like uh, the items at that one point in the battle that we were talking about uh, this okay moment this uh, comes out at that yeah Kick in the door with that. Oh, shit. And halfway through, if he starts to get low, you've got enough dimension doors to get out of there. Yeah. Because then you can keep it beautifully flavored as, what is this monstrosity? And then the Githyanki can be like, this is your fault. And then it's just a dog pile right there. Now, this is a thought that just occurred to me. Um, This could also go the opposite direction. 
where you have a plot twist to be named later. Mm-hmm. Realize that this has happened. Yep. Treat it as we have to band together against this aberration. And uh, then you've got two villains with your party going after this thing. And it's all what um in at the risk of needing to use the words redacted. <laughs> um, what is the color of hair of our <laughs> plot twist? Um, it's very. Mm. Oh, it's a never trust him. <laughs> so maybe maybe treat this as you've got two ways in now. If it's a trigger like Gilly's dropped, or sense, or you sense an easy time to pilfer those items, you send it in a normal mind flare. If you've got it to the point where the fight's winding down, and let's say they get the Yankee are getting their asses kicked, then you bust in this guy, and all of a sudden these exceptionally weakened villains can quote-unquote team up and get roasted in a breath weapon, and then you're back to square one. Yeah, no shortage of options. No shortage of decision paralysis, almost. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that's exactly it. Like, I think the they've almost left you too much to work with. Yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of <laughs> excess, a lot of excess baggage that I'm dealing with. So much chaff for so little wheat. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, sp- like, speaking of a siege, like. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that each of you have dungeon mastered before. Have either of you run actual siege type encounters? No, but I have run some interesting stuff. So there has been an encounter I ran, I use the term recently loosely, but Mm -hmm. my most recent encounter that I ran, I had a, a corridor. And the corridor had essentially it was like layer actions, but it functioned much more frequently. Mm. So you could utilize like a, a initiative twenty, initiative ten. You can use actions on each of those to have like normal siege based events, city artillery fires on twenty, or the battering ram it's on twenty and ten. And that way you can get through the door easily. And then after that, those 20 and 10 change. They become uh, like morale checks. And mm-hmm. you roll essentially a straight D20 with the DC changing. And as the fight gets more and more in their favor, it's easier for the morale to stay high. If they start to slip... They start losing people. They start losing backup. They start losing portions of the city. And you can have it be so that that funnels them to where you want them to go. Or it can create a spot where you can be like, all right, they're winning. Here comes this stupidly long stat block. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't say stupid. Stupidly long. I would say appropriately destructive. <laughs> so, right, it's the wrong term. 
Well, yeah, and, and here's here's another wrinkle that I'm trying to iron out is is that like we're we're kind of in the final stages of this of the story, and so I'm trying to give the opportunity for the players to have meaningful moments to maybe like you know something of an arc. I feel like Vanna's arc will come when she, yeah, I feel like Vanna's arc will come when when she fights. A hundred percent. I feel like that is the moment that she will be like that is the pinnacle for her. I can imagine. And I think that Spruce's the culmination of his character would be like after he took down Shigar, even though he didn't want to. He's he he took like a bracer from Shigar that sort of denoted um, Shigar's position of authority in the Warriors Alliance, and so if. If they call on the remnants of the Warriors Alliance and Elasha to come to Tall Hill, then they see that he's got the he's got Shigar's bracer, and that's them recognizing him as the the new leader. And so, for him to lead in that in the defense, I think would be pretty huge. His charisma sucks, so I don't know how to work around that. You can hinge the morale rolls rolls around that. Yeah, for the troops. Yeah. yeah so he- if they have like. Because I know that like there's there's a lot of uh, mass combat rules that recommends uh, essentially creating like a, a larger u- like a unit of like ten of of this creature and their hit yeah. point is like a pool and they get so many. At- I, I'm I'm trying to like avoid getting too much into that, but if they were defending Tall Hill and had like ballistas and mm-hmm. catapults and stuff, I think that would be a lot of fun for them to roll damage. Ooh, like yeah. big damage. Well, yeah, and you use the morale rel- rolls for like morale roll. Morale roll. Morale roll. You use the morale rolls to <laughs> justify <laughs> removing ballistas. Yeah. You use them to justify whatever you want to diminish to make it more difficult, or have the bad guys not be able to deal with. Yeah, I feel like. Giving them some, like some really cool, maybe almost even overpowered stuff uh, at the beginning of the siege, and have let them like feel like very good because things I think are going to go very bad, be very mm-hmm. difficult. It's going to be tough. Take away hope. It's good. <laughs> well, you have to give them hope in order to take it away. Yeah, true. Exactly. <laughs> no, I think. I am a huge, huge fan of giving them what they perceive to be overpowered shit and then promptly making them realize it's not enough. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love that as a DM. I think Matt can attest to that when I killed his character on New Year's Eve and revived him as a zombie to fight his friends. Um, but I think there are going, especially when you know there's going to be these kinds of battles, it's the perfect opportunity for them to prep accordingly and give them those kind of overpriced like yeah, like overpriced but like over uh no, 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 those, no, no. overpriced well it works too yeah those ridiculous magical items or they're able to make something they or find something that you would never normally do but it it's still not quite enough that they've got to still be uh they still got to think about other things they have or layering effects or things like that um Definitely. I think that's exactly what has to happen. Or go for the deep pull. Like, I I'm, I love when, like, an, 
a ridiculous object that looks like it means nothing in like episode 10 turns out to be like the linchpin at <laughs> episode 40 whatever right so i love those kinds of moments well they do have that horn of valhalla i was gonna say have they used oh, it for yet fuck's sakes they have not i know i was like because i think but, yeah. once you use it i think it's i think it's pooched for seven days Oh, oh yeah, no, it it is it is a beefy move, one might argue. Uh, but I think sometimes you kind of have to remind them that they need to use things. I don't know. Yeah, for it's sure. T- it's tough. It's tough because I feel like, especially when you're deep into like, it's tough to pinpoint the or it's tough to even remember what your full abilities are at that point. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like when when did that happen? When did I get to do that? Like, like they, I hope they remember they have the horn. Um, great way to remind them is if you get the Warriors Alliance people and you just have that one person who's like, remember, fight to go to Valhalla. And they're just Settle. like, oh, right. The horn. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like, I hate nice horn. Yeah, you should. <laughs> just have, like, you're like, whatever, you're like, whatever the next list. Two- you have those two moments happen back to back. It's like for Valhalla, and then like a random NPC whoever's name is next on the list is just like, hmm. It's like Joe Bob walks past. It's like nice horn, by the way. Like you just like, soup, no, 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 no. You, soup subtle. You, you have it be the same guy. <laughs> the same guy. Yeah. So what else can? I guess how else would you try to run a siege if if there are like sort of rank and file soldiers that are coming at Tall Hill. Like I've I've heard of an approach where you're sort of doing little like we can do catapults and ballistas if they think about setting it up that way. But little almost like vignettes of like you have to handle this encounter and then you have to like run over here and handle that encounter and what do you what do you think about that? Like either as a as a DM or as a player like what would you want to see? I'm a big fan of the video game approach, <laughs> which is those small vignettes. Because, I mean, it gives them, for lack of a better term, push glasses up nose. Agency. <laughs> in uh, the fight. Oh my God. But it also, it really allows for you to be able to make it all about them. Instead of it being about two large armies. Mm-hmm. And it allows for... Another great pull from pop culture is the Gimli toss from Helm's Deep. Oh, yeah. It makes it more manageable to have, like, the little moments broken out. I also think it allows for those specific character choices to occur. I think that that, in one of those vignettes, is the perfect moment where Gilly will actually try and command the warriors. Like, I think that that would be in in one of the moments. Do you mean Spruce? Who did I say? Gilly. Oh, yes. That okay. one. <laughs> I was like, what? I'm like, what did I say? No, 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 no. Let's, let's is look Gr- at this. Spruce has terrible charisma. <laughs> yes. Gilly will still try. G- Gilly, Gilly not- like, walks in and Gilly starts issuing still- commands. Everyone's <laughs> looking around like, who's speaking? It's like, down here. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hello. Um, no, 100%. Spruce will... I think that's exactly it. I think those are the moments. Like, Spruce will try... Like, that will, wear, will be where... And even... That will be the moment where Spruce will kind of find his own, I think, for sure. I think that might 
also be a moment where potentially Faye can do like do something different with what she's been doing. Like I don't know. Like I don't know. Like I think that like those are the moments where people tend to get more creative with what they have in front of them. So I think uh, like Faye, who's much more like character driven in her story, I think that she might find a different way of utilizing those skill sets for that kind of encounter. And I, I mean, I, like she'll have the grandest audience she'll have ever had. And I was thinking about that because I feel like she's been very like for many, many instances in the campaign. She she she's either at the forefront or on the bench. It seems like that mm-hmm. she's either like a really vital part or that she's not an important part. And I feel like there's not so many points in time especially lately where she's having a like being able to contribute to to what's happening because they i don't know the 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 last few episodes have been sort of a lot of positioning a lot of Mm -hmm. like figuring out who who's going to be able to do what yeah but in this in this like final especially if she dies but in this like final confrontation it would be great if she did something that was just so incredibly overpowered that like and what i'm thinking is um we sort of laid the groundwork for her to be able to like for her to have the ability to influence people who are in new life and so if the mind flayers do send up like a horde of thralls with like a bunch of people who are on new life who are also sort of now under under control under their control she can do her performance and suddenly take command of like this this enemy force that's like charging up the hill at them. She does this performance and they like stop in their tracks, and then she finds she's able to like direct them yes. like against the Githyanki or something like that. I'm like raising my hands in the air. Exactly, like that is the <laughs> kind of shit I want her to do. And I feel like in those vignettes uh, will be the perfect perfect chance. Um, and then that way also like how I would see this is like you could also kind of going with what Matt said is like coming up with almost like an independent initiative order of like events like layer like layer actions in essence or like this is this is the sequence of the siege and then their initiatives can pop in between that and then you can break it out right so like these four things happen in this vignette if you wanted to these next eight things will happen in this vignette and then that way uh you can kind of isolate it so it's not so many moving parts at the same time I think to just like a, a a DM play like perspective, it might be easier that way. But it's like I think the vignettes is where you're going to get. I I hope because exactly like I feel like that is the moment where I think Faye could like, given the best loot performance of her life, change the entire scope of this battle like very quickly. And I feel like I desperately want that from her. I feel like she could. It would be ridiculous. Yeah, I was thinking about using like some of the dragon bone to, like that Elwyn would craft the pick of destiny for her, and it like yeah. it, it like <laughs> it amps it like amps up her uh, <laughs> her performances. Oh my god! Yes, I love it. I love it so much. I love it so much. Do it! Oh my god! So... <laughs> the vertebrae of destiny. It's just like... <laughs> <laughs> to add on but also completely twist away from the idea. (laughs) Um, Same, same. (laughs) 
I really like the idea of what Sarah was saying with the like these portions of initiative happening here and here and here. You could force them to essentially be squad leaders. Separate them all out. Separate them all out for a portion of the battle. Then as the siege, I'm sure, will inevitably be collapse. So as it does, you can force them back into an inner circle where the party is once again reunited and they've been forced to work without each other. So it it makes it so that Faye is stuck out on her own. Mm-hmm. So she has to try and command this. It makes it so that that Horn of Valhalla is very important. Especially when that dying NPC is like, cool horn, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Would be a shame if you blew it. Three to yeah. If Don't... only I could hear one last tune. <laughs> Don't. Blow it in this fight. Don't oh don't blow it. Oh man. And then dies. Hand gently caressing the horn. <laughs> Name of your sex tape. Oh damn it, you beat me. <laughs> Name of your sex tape. Damn it. <laughs> Squad leaders, huh? I think that'd be an interesting way of doing it. I agree. I think that'd be a cool way. I was thinking like in my head, they'd break up into, like, two groups. Or but, however like, many groups you want to do. Exactly. Like, I think each being a squad leader, in essence, could be super cool. I feel it will definitely challenge some uh, more than others. I feel like I feel like Spruce has built a character based on charisma that doesn't understand charisma. Like, I feel like <laughs> his negative one was never... He's always one to talk and never... And, like, he's like, ooh, I shouldn't have done that. Like... <laughs> So I feel like this might be the opportunity for him to have it work well, possibly. Not that it hasn't in the past, but you know what I mean. Like have it be like take control of of his new role. I feel like it, like part of his backstory is, uh, or part of his character background is military rank, and so I feel like oh, uh-huh. yeah, exactly. I feel like uh, I feel like there's got to be some sort of uh, special dispensation if he's yes. like commanding yes. other units in a military well, setting and, and so that's the thing so like yeah while he might have a negative stat like you could easily roll make that as a role with advantage because it's like this is your like this is your wheelhouse or you can have it play out however you want in that regard because it's like i think that that is exactly the opportunity for him to shine it's like while he's he's because he's got the background that would facilitate that kind of choice well and if he's got rank it's not a question of political leadership at that point it's military leadership that's wisdom in it in my mind mm, true you yeah just don't make the rules charisma good point yeah that's that's an interesting choice yeah because that's more like in essence like his knowledge of the fight and commanding troops like his training rather than his and, like his showmanship to commit like to give a good speech yeah, that that and that that would be a cool role. Like I could see him. Like, I could see you choosing either like wisdom or an int for those kinds of roles for sure. So I'm tra- having trouble like fitting Gilly into this whole thing because he's he's sort of developed this this character of he's almost like a that, that had a, well, <laughs> <laughs> no. he's, well he's he started a hint of that. he started out as this like 
kind of straightforward fence, but then he's like really evolved into this this character who works behind the scenes for like the benefit of the realm. Like he's he's sort uh-huh. of wrangled in these NPCs like um the Drow who's Nate Lilith, uh Lilith, yeah. the two wizards, uh Teller potentially, uh Enna, maybe the wizard from Tall Hill. That he he's sort of able to oh and a couple of um I think it was Marigold and Nelly from the Thieves Guild. That so now he's got them all up in Tall Hill. Yeah. Um so he's kind of got this little organization that he's cobbled together. And he he sort of himself like works for the better uh for the betterment of the realm, no matter like who's in charge. Mm-hmm. So like it would be interesting to see him like wind up with his own organization at the end of all this. Um, 100%. But in terms of the actual fighting, I'm wondering like what kind of challenge or scenario I can throw at them that like a thief would really be the correct tool. To 100%. Avoid. He's the he like I I see him as filling the like specific task role. Like in essence like you give them like a just like off the top of my head like there's one weapon that is hurting them the most and they that that platoon is tasked with that specific ability oh. to disarm it like they are the task force right like that's exactly where i would see his role being like like that kind of thing because it's like i feel like he could command that group but he does it like he's got that kind of like wheeler dealer 100 percent kind of vibe where i feel like he would facilitate that and convince people to go do the kind of like suicide mission like i feel like he could do that with the kind of group he's assembled because it would be the best thing yeah it would be that kind of like covert attack that like sideline that like unexpected militia move um to kind of counteract the one weapon that was hurting them the most or the one like that one spellcaster that was doing the most damage or however you want to kind of play it out um i think that that's exactly the kind of thing he would go for like i feel with his band of ruffians i feel like that's exactly what he'd be down for for sure yeah i it would be a pretty cool um uh encounter if if they get behind enemy lines and they've whether it's like a spellcaster like they pick up his his wand and like just point it at the back ranks and just start spraying magic missiles everywhere or if it's like oh a catapult God. they like okay <clears throat> let's change the trajectory on this to be yes. a little bit to, to, to and that's such a gilly thing to do to be like i'm gonna just i'm gonna just fuck this up a little bit i'm gonna just <laughs> mess this shit up from behind like that's exactly what i love your sex do. damn it i was just supposed to say I'm can we go back to open for these <laughs> can we just go back to spraying magic missiles around yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yes, I, I see that being 100% Gilly's spot in this, for sure. And it's a perfect vignette. And I feel like he's assembled a good group of people to be on board for this mission. Well, this gives me a whole lot more clarity, which I, I feel like I had none of before. Um, I've never been accused of that. <laughs> we helped! Oh! So let's talk about like victory versus defeat. Like what does, mm-hmm. I think obviously like victory is them, I would assume like vanquishing all the enemies, right? That they've they're all, either so, killed or driven off. Here's how I like viewing this. 
is I view victory and defeat as a very much so a sliding scale. And you have total complete victory, which would be all of them survive. <laughs> all of the bad guys are dead, right? That is 100% success rate. And then you have the entire opposite, which is, in this case, all of them die. And one of many villains succeeds and reigns supreme. I th- I think it is most fascinating when you are just up from the defeat side. Like, I th- I think, and like, again, like, it's funny because it's like, I, I obviously know these characters and love them all dearly, but I think it makes the more compelling story and more realistic story if they don't quite all make it or, make it or not all the objectives are successful. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think... Uh, it's just unfortunate because, like, it being like the like the more like wrap up story, it's like you want you want everyone to be happy at the end of it. But I don't necessarily think that that's how all stories come to a, a an ending, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like I think like is it possible some of them may die during this battle? Yes. Is it possible that like they all the end the like uh, like they all live, but the NPC the, all the NPCs that we have learned to love don't quite make it that is also a very distinct possibility um and that could be that kind of moment of conflict like i think if everyone i think it is unrealistic for everyone to come out on the other side a hundred percent says where is where you want to draw the line for the story you want to tell yeah I, I feel like like vanna perishing like killing erizax would be uh, a very fitting end Yes, that's like a hundred percent. I think that that and that will be her goal. There are moments in which I think that they will want to succeed. So I think, yeah, Vanna for sure. I think it's time for an internet poll. An internet poll? Yeah, the whole internet. All um, of it. You need to find out who the fan favorite NPC is, <laughs> <laughs> and religiously kill them, butcher them, or take the second favorite that way everybody's like oh no our favorite one's you're gonna, gonna die. you're gonna pull a weasley twin that's what you're gonna do how dare you suggest he was my second favorite <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like that's a great way to build it's <laughs> i like to refer to it affectionately as the uh the whedon effect oh build, okay uh, yeah joss the sh- the joss Let's just kill Alan Tudyk. I'm a leaf on the wind. Spoiler alert. There is no way in hell. <laughs> I know, I just like dropping spoiler alert for non, non-important non things, or things where it's definitely not a spoiler anymore. Spoiler uh, alert, also, Rosebud was the name of his sled. I feel like the the Mind Flayers are, like, have this sort of long view of of their plan. And so to me, it would make sense that like to to have most of them die, but for the party to know that like one got away and is still like is still going to be in the background somewhere. And then maybe that can be like, uh, you know, if, you know, whoever, whoever survives, that can be like their new sort of goal is like they're now they're hunting this thing down. Oh, a hundred percent. Because like, like part, one of the, I, I think I meant to bring this up earlier because, because uh, Matt, you were asking if I was using like the Alhoun 
the Arcanist yeah. Mind Flare. And so I've got like I'm thinking I've got like in my mind three three normies. We've got the the hybrid and then a new Lotharid. Mm, okay. So that's what I'm and I think the Ulitharid would probably maybe be the one who gets away. Yeah. I would I would definitely have that one get away of any of them. You really I this hybrid I really don't think story wise it can be allowed to live. Um no, we gotta nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. <laughs> well, a hundred percent. The the concept of it pissing off so many people yeah. <laughs> for so many reasons. Yeah. Um, scorched Earth policy is none of them would want it to survive. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just like you and I have been beating the piss out of each other. We have a quarter of our HP each. And we see this thing walk into the room, turn 90 degrees towards it and unload all bullets. Yep. And then we can finish our fight later. <laughs> Yep, <laughs> but the uh, the Ulatharid, yeah, that would be the uh, the getaway culprit. Can there be a satisfying defeat? Well, as a dungeon master, yes. Yeah. Say, <laughs> here, so here's the thing. I it's so tough to say that. So yeah, as the as the DM, it's like yeah, I, I gave them a really tough run for sure. I think a satisfying defeat would be something like they get the majority of the bad guys, you get the one mind flare that runs away, and you get a you get a PC that dies or two. I think that's like you you get that sense of loss from losing characters, but the this battle was technically won, but you know it's not over. I think right. that would be what I would qual qualify as a satisfying defeat. But it's like it depends on whose perspective you're looking at. I think, like, that would be a... Uh, like, a, a that would be a player-satisfying defeat, I would say. Like, they won the battle but lost the war kind of idea. Um, the other side of that coin is, like, looking at a satisfying TPK. Yeah, like, they all... Like, like Rogue won it? Vanna gets... Vanna <laughs> dies on the inside of... Um... <laughs> And that's how you lose one PC. And then you you essentially Magnificent Seven it. Until you're left with, say... Yeah. Obviously Faye. <laughs> to tell the tale, of with, course. With one piece, vital piece, <laughs> of the mechanism to summon the Elder Brain. And, like, this is just me thinking out loud here, but... She, she creatively tries to shatter it with music or something like that when she's about to get all sorts of lit up like a Christmas tree. So she destroys the capability of that teleportation. But mm. the entire party's dead. And the mind flayers are stuck next to the Githyanki. And all you're left with is... The Curb Your Enthusiasm music starts to play. Exactly. Yeah. Butchered mind flayers, a... Two scourges that are defeated, and like eight hobbled to hell get the Yankee wander off into the sunset. That would be pretty intense, and I think like narratively to me it it would be fitting or at least satisfying. I think, depending on how it went down, for for Spruce and Vanna, like if they died in, in the final 
cataclysmic battle. Like I think like they're they're at like the zenith of their potential in these in these settings. Like they 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 their characters are the most fulfilled that they will be. And sure it would be I guess it would be nice like to think like if Spruce lived, oh, you know, he's going to be the leader of the Warriors Alliance afterwards. I think it's nice for the players to have that sort of denouement. But like a really satisfying so death. Do the same I have thing with memorials. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I, I you know what? I read a um an interesting house rule about player deaths. Uh and somebody had said that um if they die in battle, when they die they get one full turn where all of their like <laughs> damage is doubled. And so, like, yeah, yeah. it's like, the okay. Last blaze of glory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, ooh, I really like that. Especially with that Magnificent Seven mentality. Because you could go back to the vignettes. Yeah. And have them have their individual last stands. I haven't seen Magnificent Seven, but I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, they, everybody dies in the end. Spoiler alert. Damn it. Rosebud! <laughs> Yeah, I think oh, that'd be a super cool like. It's like they get like I, I don't know how to work it specifically in in combat how it would function. I'm thinking like they would go unconscious and then like lift themselves up slowly like on shaky legs, and this is like their last. Their sword as they're like brace, they stand mightily and like cleave the head off their enemy. Something dramatic, unexpected. That, that's whatever. a very long way to say Boromir. Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna bore. If that's the name of the rule now, you're gonna Boromir. Go full Boromir. We verbed yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, I think like, but like I like that, and I think that that works well with the story, and it works well with all their characters. Like it would be interesting to see what they do with that last move. I think that that would be very character defining too, and it gives them the option to decide how they end it mm-hmm. if if it happens. Let's be honest. It was someone's gonna die. I think. Well, yeah, and like I would really, I would really like for somebody to. And honestly, like it's not, it's not my fault. You sound so evil. It's like yes. It's not my fault. The back end of this campaign is is so heavily laden with with foes. It's a hundred percent. I'm gonna leave a gem because I know they're gonna listen. To all of these after Matt, Candace, Tom, Katie, you done fucked up. <laughs> you did this to yourself <laughs> in in two ways guys because a no one took counterspell that huge 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 and b none of you are wizards to be able to bore him here with a fireball right oh, like calling a fireball down on yourself yeah oh yeah oh. that was immediately i my didn't first ask how big the room was i said <laughs> i cast fireball <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm really hoping that I can. I guess that this ends up satisfying for hopefully everyone. I mean, like to me. Sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> Part of me, for like for a while, was wondering like who is going to fulfill like the like the uh, the ruler position, but maybe maybe that doesn't happen. Like maybe there's n- not everything gets sort of wrapped up that neatly. There's two ways. It either doesn't, or, or Gilly takes control. <laughs> Gilly? 
<laughs> you know what? That's kind of yeah. that's kind of what uh, like has been hinted at from like consistently, or maybe not hinted at, but sort of referenced. But with that, a figurehead that at the um, at the in the very beginning of the of the podcast that he didn't use Mage Hand to grab the Staff of Control, and so for him to like finally end up with it, kind of would feel satisfying in a way. Oh yeah. Especially if he did it, but it was like illusioned in a way that made it look like it wasn't. Like he he is definitely a ruler with a figurehead. Mm-hmm. So you get a puppet that he just waves his stick at. I was gonna say Faye, but there's no way Faye would stand up for being a puppet. <laughs> I, th- I don't know. I feel like she'd love good choreography. I think Candace sees like Faye's conclusion as telling the story of everything that happened. Yeah, like I think... Can't wait for her to die first. (laughs) (laughs) I see her as the last soldier of the 300. I see her as the, like, living to tell the tale. I feel like no matter what happens, she'll find a way to squirrel away and persist through this. Candace, like, always comes up with something that surprises me, so... There's always something, Yeah. yeah. I mean, she'll just cast invisibility again, and it'll be fine. It would seem weirdly fitting that, well, I mean, she she's kind of like, I think Faye is, is not necessarily like a coward, but she smartly stays out of combat because she knows it's not her strong suit. Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, I think she's probably the most likely to survive. Yeah, I'm wondering if there were any other aspects of this that uh, that we should talk about. I would like to know how you, at the start of this, envisioned the last fight going. I knew that there was a point where I would not um, have a plan. And Mm -hmm. my my initial thought was to lay the groundwork, the foreshadowing of Elwyn's um, duplicitous nature. Mm -hmm. But not so much (laughs) that they would know or that they would be so distrustful of him. And that they would complete the device, that they would go to face <laughs> while they're fighting. Uh, Elwyn's doing the teleportation, and then he he sort of says to one of them, like, I'm so sorry. And then the Elder Brain shows up. And then it would have been, like, post, post-dictable at that point, because they would have been like, oh, yeah, there's all this weird stuff, and we didn't know what it meant. And then... And then, like, they would have had to run from that encounter, having been defeated. They would have had to have run from that encounter and then deal with this new reality of the Elder Brain being, like, in the in the keep in Pharaoh's Point. And I was really only considering bringing the Githyanki in after that point, or maybe just before that that took place. So that was, like, that was the cinematic moment I had in my head, which... We're miles away from that. Uh, yes, I think that's the the easy way to put that. Um, mm. I think that's I I always find that fascinating about campaigns, right? Like where where you think it's going to go versus where you actually end up, right? Where you're like, oh, you're 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 not going to go right and talk to the thieves guild that I've intricately woven a backstory for for the last four months. Oh, okay, sure. I'll just I'll just throw that folder out. Okay, <laughs> like. It's always it's always interesting where it's like, and then they'll, they'll just ask the question where it's like, yeah, they'll do that one perception check or they'll do the one thing where I'm like, oh, 
Well, I, I guess you do realize that all of this is going on. Well, this is happening now. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, just, I always love those moments where it, because it's like as the DM and like I think all of us, the three of us, have been in this situation where we've been the DM but also player. And it's it's very interesting to see. I always find it funny how I kind of forget sometimes when I'm the DM thinking like a player and player thinking like a DM. Where it's like you don't like it's like yeah it's like just doing that check at the right moment could send the entire campaign on a different path right yeah, or like not if, not doing that check or, exactly or like exactly or not doing something that you perceive them to <laughs> possibly like like exactly like it's like it's like I know <laughs> gonna do this like that's exactly what like that that's what <laughs> would do this is what a hundred percent oh no that didn't that didn't happen oh oh okay we're just gonna leave that okay then <laughs> like. Hundred percent. It changes the entire course. Could yeah, like if she had done that, like just to, how crazy would have that have been? A different story. Hmm. Now the one villain you're not using here that we could definitely add to the mix. Oh God, because there needs to be another. You don't have enough yet. I mean, you haven't mentioned the blood war yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll be like the end of Blazing Saddles where we've got Gith Yankee and the Mind Flares and then like the devils and demons show up and like they're fighting each other. She's like, hey, we called the spot. We're going to fight here too. And then and then the dwarves and the Durgar show up and this like... Orcus comes running in, punches the Elder Brain. <laughs> Screw you, I work for Mel Brooks. <laughs> and scene. That is how you end the podcast. And there's a uh, there's a an intellect devourer, and someone's like, "Oh, look at him, little Hetty Headley." <laughs> <laughs> Anything else that you guys wanted to talk about? No, I don't know. I mean, I have questions for like fun chats for next campaign, but mm. that's a little bit of a different different episode, perhaps. I'm excited. I have I have an idea. I haven't. Even, I don't even know anything about your your characters' backstories, but I already have an idea of what to do. It's going to be super complicated for me to pull off. I I am excited and uh, relish the opportunity to mess with you further. Yeah, I'm. I should it's a paladin. Tell everyone who's listening that uh, the two of you know the rules much better than I do, and also like know the lore and uh and like the current group i would say are a bunch of uh i believe filthy casuals might be the term <laughs> we we are potentially a little bit more intense uh Potent- i'm potentially I'm literally a camping trip <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's how intense i am mm. <laughs> we uh we do I would say both of us are big, are obviously fans of the game, played for many years. Uh, but at the same time, we kind of enjoy to mess shit up whenever we get the opportunity. So it's like whatever rules go, whatever rules the DM wants, we play with. You know what I mean? Like, it's like if you tell us that this is the lore for this campaign, then that's what we go with. And I, I believe, like, I think the rule of cool trumps all kind of thing. That's what, like how I like to play. So mm-hmm. it's like I'm down for whatever, like, whatever, man. <laughs> and don't worry uh, first and foremost I will try to convince Sarah to remember the difference between character knowing and her knowing I am, I'm bad for min-maxing and accidentally accidentally min-maxing 
Maxidentally. Maxidentally. <gasps> That's my character's name now. 